0: You're listening to the Elevate Your Brand podcast, where we talk to some of the smartest entrepreneurs and fastest growing brands on the market today. I'm your host, Laurel Mintz, a reformed corporate M&A attorney who founded award-winning LA-based marketing agency, Elevate My Brand. We've elevated some of the world's biggest brands from Facebook, Paw Patrol, and Verizon to innovative startups you haven't even heard of yet. Are you ready to elevate your brand? keep
1: listening.
0: Hi, guys, and welcome back to another episode of Elevate Your Brand. I, of course, am your host, Laurel Mintz, and I am joined today by Akshay Satish, who is the CEO and founder of Zixana Consulting. Akshay, thanks for being with us today.
1: Thanks for having me, Laurel. Appreciate it.
0: So tell us, what is Vixana Consulting?
1: We are a leadership development firm here based in San Diego, and we uh, our vision statement is to activate the world of work through play. And what we do is we uh, consult, we do executive coaching, we do training for leaders, managers, directors, et cetera, for organizations uh, through really fun methodologies, uh, getting people to step outside of their comfort zone so they can learn and take some risks uh, to become better leaders and create better results for their organizations.
0: And as you know, when we first talked, I was we were chatting about what you do and how it's so integral to, um, I think, just creating a landscape of leadership that is diverse and engaged and exciting. Um, And I told you, I don't usually have service people on, but I do think the conversation around play is so critical and important, especially right now. So I'm so glad that you're here. Tell us why play is so critical to the learning process and especially about learning how to lead, uh, whether it be your team, your family, the world at large.
1: Yeah, absolutely. Yeah, You know, most people, most adults at least, understand the concept of play uh, through either their pets or their children, uh, because we all, whoever has nephews, nieces, or even their own children and pets, we see them play. We see them when they're young, kind of engage in this vehicle of play and playfulness, because that's how they explore the world. That's how they engage with either objects or nature or the environment or even with you and people. And that, I think that's important to, to say that because we as a society understand play much more when it comes to kind of early learning and uh, kind of children learning. And, and what we've found in our work is that it actually translates really well to adults as well. Play is that vehicle where you uh, have to really kind of get in, engaged in an activity that truly is just fun. That's like the simplest definition of play. If you're doing something that you truly enjoy. And then beyond that, there, the reason it's, it's a great learning vehicle is because in it is exploration, uh, experimentation, uh, something about where if you're dealing with objects and tangible things, you actually get feedback to learn whether something worked or not. Um, and then finally, there's actually a type of play, which we'll talk about maybe in the future here, uh, which is to do with social play, actually playing with other people uh, is actually uh, the best way for people to learn and share ideas, uh, try new things, and get some immediate feedback with uh, w- with other people. So uh, it really is a magical learning environment. Uh, <laughs> and uh, you know, I think one of the things that we found is that adults uh, have uh, have either forgotten or lost their own capability and capacity to engage in play, uh, and there may be some cultures, at uh, corporate culture, et cetera, right. um, at play is, is, is why that may be.
0: Right. I think your point, like I think culturally, corporate-wise, people are told when you grow up, you have to grow up and play shouldn't be a part of that conversation, which I wholeheartedly disagree with, and I know you do as well. Uh, I, I think the reason that you and I connected so much on this is because play is so much a part of of creativity as an agency leader, it's part of our ethos and part of our value set actually. And it's how we bring brands to life. So I personally feel very strongly about it. Why do you think people as they get older, forget how to play?
1: Yeah, that's a great question. I I think part of it is, so there's a cultural component. So I think in general, uh, as we go through our schooling and education, um, there's some component where we've been taught and told that, um, you know, play does exist, uh, except it just needs to be separated from work and that there's a time and place for it. And so, you know, you could imagine yourself kind of coming home from a, a long day at work or really busy back-to-back meetings and then you just kind of relax on the couch or you engage with your kids or you uh, or or just come home to a glass of wine, I don't know. Um, but you're <laughs> unwinding and you're energizing and de-energizing things like that. That happens separately from work. Um, a lot more than is is needed actually. So we, we think that there's something in the education system in kind of how adults portray and see whether play is useful or not. And I think that's yeah. what we're trying to change is that in the adult world, in the corporate world, play can serve a purpose to help you get to results. Because in yeah. the corporate world, at least, that's what people think about. How do we get faster, better, more efficient results? And If we remove play from the equation, actually what we found is that there is a limit to the amount of efficiency and productivity that people have uh, when you separate the two worlds like that.
0: So it's like the Peter Pan syndrome. You don't want to grow up too fast, right?
1: (laughs) Yeah, no. there's a a quote actually, and I forget who it's by, but it's, uh, I don't get older because I've stopped playing. I... I stop. uh, I what is it? I get. I stop playing, and that makes me get older. Oh, I love that. And and so I think there's something there from a ethos, Uh, but uh, but the other side of the coin is that you know one of the things that I think we get challenged with is like, well, prove it, right? What's the show? Show us the show us the The correlation.
0: The data. Yeah.
1: Yeah. Show us the data, right? We, we need big data or we need some empirical evidence. So we did that. We, we, we researched empirically, at least for now, you know, when adults play, what kind of outcomes do you get? And we found that there are three clear outcomes that we found. One is that people are more open to new possibilities when they're in the mm-hmm. state of play. They're also, the second thing is that they're more connected to other people and the purpose of what they're doing and then third they're more likely to take risks and try new things and so those three are really fundamental outcomes when you're let's say you're trying to be a better leader uh if you're trying to change your managing style uh, you're trying to scale operations you need to change the way you're doing things you need to be open to learning Uh, you Mm -hmm. need to stay connected to people in the organization and your direct reports Um, You need to take risks on a strategy level as well as on a decision-making level. Um, And so the translation is there. Uh, I just think that right now we're in a space where we need to make those connections for people. Um, And once they see it, and especially once they experience play, they realize that there's more to the word uh, than just kind of some frivolous thing that we used to do when we were kids.
0: I couldn't agree more. I mean, you don't have to con- convince me. Obviously, I feel very strongly about this. I also think I'm curious to know your opinion that this is kind of a generational thing, right? I think the generations before us were a bit more uh, serious and corporate, and I think nowadays, with all the technologies and um, you know just the cross pollination culturally and, um, and and age categorically, that it's part of growing up and out of old systems.
1: Absolutely. I'm with you. I think in general, I could say that when we work with people who are baby boomers, um, Mm -hmm. we get the most resistance in terms of the buy-in for how we do our work. Uh, Yet we also get the connection from them because what they're trying to do is they're trying to just be more productive. And so when we make that connection, we've got some really great buy-in. I would say millennial generation and Gen Z they just are more open. Uh, perhaps it's just like you said, kind of the generation slash age. But I think you're right. I think you know the difference between those the, uh, a few of those generations is that we are just more uh, you know creative with our phones and in you know all these social media platforms. Um, there's a lot more information. That shows us that other people have creative ways to communicate, creative careers that they have. Um, and I think that opens the door a little bit more to, oh, okay, like I don't have to kind of button up and, and get this type of career. There are actually w- many more options if I can use my creativity uh, in my career path, et cetera. So I think there is something to be said. They're definitely more open to play as a way to learn as a way to lead in the in the newer generations.
0: I mean, for me personally, I just I couldn't live without play. I think it just (laughs) energetically shifts everything that you do. And it just makes your job more fun, right? It makes it less of a job. And I remember specifically speaking about energies. um, There was a time in my office when people were like, we were in a project and it was just like, everyone was kind of bummed out and the energy was really low. And I called one person into the conference room and it was like a very stolen energy. And they came in and I challenged them to a giant game of Jenga and inst- And then whoever won the game had to go challenge the next person. Yes. And it just instantly changed the entire outcome of the day. People were smiling again. It just took the the seriousness out of, you know, what was a challenging experience. And I, I always love play for that.
1: Well, I would, I would offer, Laurel, that what you did there is your willingness to play uh, gave permission to the next person and the next person to engage in that way. And I think mm-hmm. that's what we find is the most powerful thing is that playful leaders have a big impact on the culture of their team and the organization they're in. When you don't have a playful leader or not willing to engage, then that sets the culture for right. whoever else is around them. So I think that's a, you know, kudos to you for taking that risk and being willing, because that is what kind of the, uh, the ripple effect was, if that makes sense.
0: It totally does. We're going to take a quick break. And when we come back, I want to talk about the different types of play, because I know that you've defined, is it seven types of play?
1: Yeah, uh, well, there, there are five. We'll talk about five, five. today. Yeah.
0: Okay, perfect. So stay tuned. We'll be right back. Enjoying the episode? I certainly hope so. But we have no way to know unless you tell us. After this episode, please leave us a review on your podcast app of choice and let us know what you love and what you want to hear next. This podcast is all about you and how else are we going to elevate your brand unless you talk to us? Hi guys, thanks for sticking with us, and if you're just tuning in, I am chatting with Akshay Satish, who is the CEO and founder of Zixana Consulting, which is about playing to learn, which helps you learn to lead. Um, I want to focus on the different types of play, because you've defined multiple types, and I know you want to focus on five today, so can you go through all of those for us and uh, help us understand what types we might want to use in our day-to-day lives?
1: Absolutely. Yeah. So some of this work that I'm going to explain comes from, uh, Stuart Brown, who founded uh, the national Institute for play. Uh, and, uh, he kind of identified a number of different play archetypes. Uh, and these are, uh, some of them that he identified. And I'm just going to cover five today. Cause I think these are the easiest to understand and connect to. The first one is social play. Uh, and the way it's defined is that people get energy, uh, by engaging in this type of play, by being around other people. So, you know, you could imagine if you're in the office or back, back when we were back in the office, uh, (laughs) the people that, uh, you know, took a break and they would go from their cubicle or office and they just wander down the hallway to go to the, some friend or some colleague's cubicle and they'd just be chit chatting. Uh, and so sometimes they're distracting that person, but actually, what they're doing is they're engaging in social play. It's a break for them, but actually, it serves them because they're getting energized by it. Mm. So, social play is when we're engaging with other people in any activity, and they're a part of that activity. Uh, we're getting energized by it. Is
0: that' why I uh, love cocktail so, parties.
1: Yeah, totally, a cocktail <laughs> party. Yeah, those people who love you know, be yeah, love chit chatting, love to connect with people, love to learn about new people. I mean. It's not necessarily that you have to be an extrovert to engage in social play or get energized by it, um, because there are lots of introverts who like, you know, who have one or two really close friends or one or, or a smaller group of people that they connect with. And social play is just that when I connect with those people, I get energized. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Um, the next type of play is called creative play this is one where uh, people could use a medium to express their creativity. So it could be anything from, you know, you're sitting on the phone and you're doodling on a piece of paper uh, to actually I'm going to take a break and I'm going to paint or spray paint or sketch Anything like that that uh, gives you an outlet to express your creativity is some type of creative play.
0: What if um, are there overlaps in play? Like, if I'm a creative person and I decided to use that in a group environment, is that um, creative play and social play overlapping?
1: Yes, totally. Okay, cool. So um, we we talk about them separately. However, when uh, we'll talk about how people have either a focused a number of play preferences, or a versatile set of play preferences. So for someone like you, if you like, you know, the social aspect, and you like to engage in something, you know, creative, let's say, then you're a little more versatile, you, you kind of like doing both of those things. And in fact, if they're together, hey, hey, that's even better. Even better. Yeah, for sure. Um, so that's creative play, physical play is the next one. Uh, that's basically how it sounds. It's you know, if you want to move your body, or if you exercise, uh, and and try to challenge yourself to do something uh, with your body and movement, that's a preference for physical play. Got it. And this one, especially like, uh, you know, the orange theory, fitness, and the Crossfits, like, there's an aspect of physical play, and social play there, mm-hmm. uh, uh, that work together, or even just like
0: roughhousing with your dog or your kids, anything like that, right?
1: Yes, totally, absolutely. That's correct. And you know, I think that is uh, when you engage in it, again, each of these, whatever activity is associated with it, if you're doing it because you enjoy it, then you're likely to do it just because you want to. It's on your own kind of uh, your your choice. And you're again, you're going to get energy from it. That's mm-hmm. the most important two things. You're doing it because it's fun and it energizes you. And that's how, you know, this is my play preference.
0: So those are the top three. And then there's two more, right?
1: Yeah, there's two more. Oh, the fourth one is object play. So this is uh people who uh, like to manipulate objects. So for example, a simple example is Lego, uh, juggling, you know, even just twiddling, you know, how people, I don't know how to do this by the way. Uh, people uh, twirl the the pen mm-hmm. uh, in their hands. Um, I, I don't know how to do that, but that's an, an example of object play that helps somebody focus or helps somebody just kind of uh, experiment with something. yeah uh, so object play it's a manipulation of object. Lego is a classic one um, we, and then even more so, I would say people who like to tinker in their garage, engineers, who like to actually, you know, on their downtime, like to build circuit boards and things like that, just because they're like it, mm-hmm. uh, tinkering with your car, all that stuff kind of falls into object play.
0: Yeah, my husband's actually an engineer, and he tinkers, like he has this little like, um, uh, it's literally magnets and a, a, a piece of metal, and he flips it back and forth while he works. Is that what oh, you're, is that yeah. a similar thing? So like yeah, totally. Right? Yeah. and
1: Yeah. And for him, he may be doing it to help him think or focus, Mm. uh, which could be a little different than doing something for his own energy. Uh, But again, it is an example of object play to help him be productive. Cool. And the last one. Last one's imaginative play. Uh, This one I find interesting uh, because I think I was told, I don't know if you were too, when I was growing up in in like, I don't know, elementary school and middle school, when I daydreamed and I kind of spaced out (laughs) in the middle of the class, uh, I was told, hey, you wake up, like, you know, focus, like Mm -hmm. you need to pay attention. And what I was doing when I'm daydreaming is I was staring at the clouds or the leaves, you know, moving in the trees outside the window. And that is an example of imaginative play. And here's the utility of that. What you end up doing is you end up having an ability to take disparate concepts and put them together. And so you could imagine yourself at a park laying down, staring up at the clouds, you know, oh, this crowd, cloud looks like a rabbit, or it looks like this creature or whatever. Um, and you're not really engaging in that, you're just kind of lost in your thoughts. And another another type of activity that I would call imaginative play is when you're engaging in meditation or mindfulness techniques. Mm-hmm. Uh, it's because you're getting connected with your body and your thoughts, and you're getting lost in those moments. Uh, And that can be re-energizing. It can actually have a lot of creative moments as well. And those uh, types of activities fall under imaginative play.
0: I mean, it sounds like all of these really help refocus you, re-energize you. We've talked a lot about energy. Um, Can you talk a a bit about the intentional connection between energy and play?
1: Yeah, absolutely. So, you know, I think what we found in the work that we do is that leaders get stuck in the cycle of productivity. They just Mm. feel like they need to get to the next meeting. They need to get the work done. It's endless. My emails don't stop. And what we find is that people's productivity actually diminishes if you keep getting stuck on that side of the loop, we call it, productivity side of the loop, Right. when actually you need to You need to take a break. You need to actually change your energy um, and and give yourself the endorphins, dopamine, and all these uh, actual uh, hormones in your brain that help you be more creative, be more adaptable, listen to the environment. I mean, we can't tell a different, a better story of adapt adaptability uh, this past year than than ever because Mm -hmm. we were forced to adapt, and even more so now. We need to take care of, uh, if we have a better energy state when we enter that meeting, we're more likely to make better, holistic, more inclusive decisions, more strategic decisions. We're more likely to collaborate better because we are more likely to listen to others' perspectives. And so energy is just not just how you feel, it's how it gets portrayed to other people that you're leading. Uh, and we talk about this this uh, Pomodoro technique, where basically it's like a timer. You really can only focus fully for like sixty to ninety minutes on something, right. and then you need a fifteen minute respite. Uh, and And the question is, what do you do in that respite? What do you do in that break? And what we advise people to do is to choose your play preference, figure out what your play preferences are, and engage in an activity that is underneath the play preference. Uh, You know, one thing that I would say there's a difference between watching TV or scrolling your social media as a break, that's different. That's more resting Mm. um, as a break versus energizing as a break. Got it. Uh, And play preferences energize you and resting serves as a different purpose.
0: Uh, Thank you so much for defining those. We're going to take another quick break. And when we come back, I want to chat about your journey and how uh, adults can use play to help them parent even during this pandemic. So stay tuned. Hi, guys. Me again. I wanted to take a quick break to tell you more about our award-winning marketing agency, Elevate My Brand. We're a full-service digital and experiential agency, meaning we do it all. From event management to content creation, branding, web design, and social media, We're a small but scrappy team of both data nerds and quirky creatives, and we're here to make you look good. After this episode, let's chat about how we can elevate your brand and take you to the next level. All right. I am chatting with my friend Akshay Satish. who's the CEO and founder of Zixana Consulting. Uh, We were talking about the five uh, different types of play. Where did you come up with this, or where did the root of this come? And um, you woke up one day and you were like, "I need to focus on play for my living." <laughs> where did that come from?
1: Yeah, but so my background is in uh, medical devices. I went to school for bioengineering. Um, oh, that's a was part fit of a small bioengineering and play. <laughs> yeah yeah uh, you know, and then I, I I was part of a small medical device company for seven years, and I will say during that time, I realized that I was in this corporate environment that I was excited about the work I did and yet kind of uh, hit some walls with regards to the corporate culture that I wanted to be a part of mm-hmm. and I've always done theater on the side, so in high school I was a kind of a theater buff um, and didn't have time for it in college. And I just responded to some Craigslist ad in Philadelphia um, calling for uh, improv theater. We're starting an improv theater. And I said, okay, maybe I'll have time for that. So I showed up uh, and 10 strangers got together and started an improv company in Philadelphia in 2003. And uh, that changed my life. Why? Because in improv theater, uh, we built this community around the same concepts that we're talking about today. How do we just listen to one another very, very carefully? How do we make decisions that are spontaneous? How do we make other people look good? Uh, because in improv theater, if if one person does makes a mistake, the audience can tell, you know, right. this didn't look scripted, right? The best shows, it looks scripted, but actually they're making it up on the spot. And that's my first kind of journey into the playful environment uh, through the world of, apply, of, of improv theater. And I started to make the connections just on my own. Hey, I wonder if I could use this in my team at work. I wonder what would I do if I just played a game that we did in rehearsal with my team. And what we started to find is that my team just had more fun together. Uh, it wasn't just people's functions and roles. They were humans. Uh, and we saw each other, and it connected. We were just very connected to one another, uh, and ended up caring about one another. So that's kind of the beginning of how this started. Um, fast forward uh, to 2009, I said, "Hey, maybe there's, maybe there's a concept here. Maybe there is something about applying improv theater to corporate workshops." And that's how Zixana was formed. I just founded it on a whiteboard and said, "Let's see what happens." Hmm. Uh, fast forward. Three years, uh, you know, uh, 2010. My wife and I moved to San Diego. Um, I said I'm going to give this a shot full time. Uh, three or four years into that, uh, when I was doing workshops for people, etc., um, I-, I went back to school for a leadership degree. And through the theory of other leadership theories, I found that there was something missing, and the theory of play wasn't connected to leadership as much as I saw it from my own personal lens. And so, from that moment, just pivoted the brand from an applied improv uh, company to one that is, you know, now activating the world world of work through play. And we really dedicate—we're still dedicating our time to what's the science of play and how does it relate to productivity. And I think we're still on that journey, and and we've done quite a lot of work in that in that arena. Um, but but I think that's kind of the the fruits of that. They're kind of small little things along my career that showed me this is. There's potential here um, if we can communicate it. And it's important work. Yeah, absolutely. It's important work for adults, for sure.
0: Oh, my gosh. I can talk about this. I love this conversation so much. I, I think that I really embody this as a leader. And I see the responsiveness from my team, like I shared the example earlier, when things aren't going so great. Or when things are going really great, like making sure that you take, uh, you know, moments of joy. I think my office probably had the most games. I mean, we had everything from, yeah. like I said, like the giant Jenga to um, we had the, uh, the piano, the piano that you do with play with your feet to, I mean, that I mean awesome. we had so many weird things in our office. Um, cause I really yeah. find this to be important work and important and it seems and feels silly sometimes, but sometimes silly is exactly what gets you where you would need to be in the end, uh, in end of the day. Um, so before we wrap up and we only have three, oh God, three minutes left, how does this time fly so fast when you're having fun, right? <laughs> That's the other oh, side yeah. of it is play makes things move faster, right? <laughs> right. Um, so so before we wrap things up, I, I think it's a really important conversation. I'm not a parent, but I know um, so many of our listeners are. And one of the things that you and I were talking about is how adults can use play to connect with their kids and really support parenting skills during the pandemic. Can you share a little bit more about that?
1: Yeah. So as I mentioned in the beginning is that, you know, kids really innately know how to play. Uh, you know, you just give them a, an Amazon box or, you know, some empty thing and they, they'll figure out what to do with it or to come, come up with something to do.
0: And that's imaginative um, play, right? <laughs>
1: yeah, that, that is. And object play, right. Oh, um, and so what adults, what, what I found, because I'm a parent, is that my play preferences are sometimes overlapping with my kids and sometimes they're not. So uh, children tend to explore many different play preferences. And over time, they start to kind of really focus in on a few, not all of them. Uh, and same thing that happens with adults. So sometimes, you know, my daughter will go into the storytelling mode uh, with her uh, dolls and her 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 uh, kind of people that she's uh, kind of built, etc. And I try to engage in her imaginative play and object play. And I can only hang for like five minutes. And then I'm like, I'm not, that's not fun for me. And so I don't engage. I can't play the same game that she's playing with her. And that's an example of uh, where my play preference doesn't overlap with hers. And that's okay. Sometimes she needs to play by herself or with her brother or others where they can share play preferences. Uh, we share, my my daughter and my son and I, we share kind of a physical play preference. Mm-hmm. We have these like mini monkey bars in the backyard and stuff like that. So we And we like to swim. And so we kind of engage in that way together. And we find games to play and engage in physical play together, um, as well as some other types of play. But, but I think a quick tip for parents would be, especially since we have so much more time with our kids nowadays, uh, with the pandemic, uh, you know. Finding those common play preferences will help you engage with them and connect with them in ways that are authentic and finding preferences that where they kind of have their own time to play and you have your own time to do your work and then even energize yourself. uh, Those are useful. So setting those boundaries as well as finding family time, uh, but not forced You kind of want people to engage in a way that you all share that experience, you share that connection. Um, So, play preferences are are, are useful to help you with that.
0: Because the point of that, I think, is that when you force play, it becomes work, right?
1: Yes, absolutely. Yep. And nobody wants to do that.
0: Right. (laughs) (laughs) Um, Well, in our last few seconds, if you could just share how people can get in touch with you and any final words about the importance of play and why you feel so strongly about this conversation.
1: Yeah. So yeah. reach us, Reach out to us at zixanaconsulting.com. Uh, we have quite a few offerings on there or thoughts and, and research to kind of delve into and find out more. And the last thing I'll say is, you know, I, I can't tell you, I can't force it upon you, but I will challenge everybody. Uh, when you play and you try, you know, allow yourself to do it because you will leave that activity with a smile on your face. And there's nothing better than just having joy uh, and and showing that to other people, uh, or just keeping it to yourself.
0: <laughs> I love it. Well, Akshay, thank you so much for this important work and for sharing your message with our audience. Uh, you know, I'm going to go. I think roughhouse with my dog and play a little bit as a break before my next meeting. <laughs>
1: Yeah, absolutely. Go do that for sure. I'm going to do some uh, jumping jacks right now. I've been sitting in my chair for too long.
0: (laughs) There you go. Physical play. I love it. Thank you so, so much for being on the show today. And thanks to everyone who tuned in. Please get in touch if you want to bring a little bit more play and fun into your daily life. Uh, And stay tuned for more Elevate Your Brand coming up next.